All right, everyone, welcome to the Redemption Tempe podcast. I'm here with Josh Butler and Jason Raber, and we are going to press into this conversation that we're having about the the King of Kings campaign that we're in the middle of, this intentional attempt to follow Jesus through the midst of this election season. And in order to do that, one of the most important things we need to do is to recognize that that politics of our days is functioning as religion to so many people. Um, We, in the course of our church, have we had, I can't remember hardly anybody converting to Islam or Buddhism or anything like that. Can you? No. Jason, you've been here the longest. Not to another religion, maybe. Yeah. Maybe leaving, but no, I can't think of, you know, people switching religions. But, know, yeah. but if you think about where people are giving their allegiance, where they're finding their meaning, where they're finding their their sacred text, when they're they're going on mission for something, yeah. oftentimes it's a ideology, often a political ideology, and it functions just like conversion. Uh, it's the idol of our day. It's the religion of our day, and we could easily think that we are um, just having a political opinion when uh, reality is we've given our allegiance to something other than Jesus. So with that said, we're going to talk about some of the political religions over the weeks to come. We're going to break down four of them. And uh, if you remember the, the, um, the sermon that Warren and I did, we kind of broke down these four political religions. So if you're watching at home um, on video, Josh's head is kind of in the way here, so uh, we have it written up on the whiteboard, but if you're just listening, then you'll have to imagine this. Rather than thinking of things on a left-right spectrum, we've added a modern-postmodern spectrum, and if you need those things defined, you can go back to the, to the sermon we did a few weeks ago on the King of Kings stuff, but it creates functionally four quadrants that are four ideologies that are like religions that people are converting to. So you, on the upper left, you have the religion of progress, where, where people are trying to change the world. In the upper right, you have the religion of responsibility, where it's all about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. In the bottom left, we have the religion of identity, where it's all about uh, you do you, or live your truth. And on the bottom right, we have the religion of security, which is all about uh, good fences make good neighbors. Like, creating boundaries and protecting oneself. So with those four there, over the next few weeks, we're going to break them down. We're going to describe them. We're going to talk about some of the dangers, talk about some of how they're created, uh, how they're built off of some aspect of creational good. And we're going to we're gonna talk about all four of them, but today we're going to focus in on this religion of progress that's all about changing the world. So before we jump in, I would love to know your, you know, you guys, let's all just put our cards on the table and, and identify where we fit on those spectrums and which of those false religions would be most likely to tempt us. Now, we need people who lean in all of those directions yeah. in the body of Christ, but not give their allegiance to those things. Absolutely. So which way do you lean? Yeah, I'm, I'm fully top right. Probably more top than right, but yeah, definitely 
in the responsibility. Yes, you camp. are. Yeah. Yes. If, I'm, if I'm tempted, that's where I'm going. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say uh, I've historically been top left. Today, I'm not quite quite sure. Maybe more top centerish, but yeah, yeah. Probably lean. My leanings, though, have historically tended to flinch top left. Yeah, and I'm from Portland, so it's just kind of the air you breathe there. It's sort of the environment you're in as well. Yeah. So, so Josh. And and uh, kind of has historically leaned top left. Jason is firmly in uh, top right. Part of the reason why I pulled you two in is to have someone who's sympathetic to this, uh, to a lot of the ideas here, and then also someone to challenge it. The problem is, is that all three of us celebrity death matches. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> we've we've all shaped each other a little too much recently. Yeah, to where it's starting to feel like it's getting way too nuanced and similar that it's kind of close. Where I would put myself at is, I think I lean, uh, I vacillate between the top left and the top right, depending on who I'm talking to. So if I'm talking to Jason, I'm going to kind of. I'm, I'm a little more of a contrarian, so I'll kind of yeah. lean into the top left. Yeah. But if I'm talking to Will on our team, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I'm, you know, uh, I'm yeah. like Fox News reporter or something <laughs> like that. Uh, so so uh, that's that's kind of where I'm at. So in the course of this conversation, who knows where I'll, where would you guys put me? Because I think a lot of times people don't put themselves in the right one, uh, but other people can see it a little bit better. Yeah, I think you're top left. You think I'm top left? Yeah. That's just because you're so far top right. Well, maybe all your arguments are coming pretty hard at me. <laughs> no, that's good. And uh, so before we, we jump into all this, I've got some, we got to do some like caveats. Yeah. Caveat number one, we are not endorsing any candidates. Amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to that. Number like we couldn't even come to an agreement if, if we did. Um, uh, you know, not everybody on the team, but two is is not allowed uh, as church stuff, and three that that's just not even helpful. It's, it's not allowed, meaning five hundred one c three yeah. legal tax code. That kind yeah, of stuff, right, is it? right, code. right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're not endorsing candidates. What we're talking about is we're more analyzing worldviews that people are getting giving their allegiance to, and hopefully we're exhibiting some of that stuff in the King of Kings commitment of yeah, letting our conversation you know be embodied by the fruit of the spirit and being peaceful, being patient, being kind yeah, to each other. Yeah. yeah. So Jason's referencing there if people want to go sign it. We've tell us tell them more about the King of Kings campaign. Yeah, no, we got a King of Kings campaign. Um, anybody that kinda wants to join in, it's 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 essentially that we've seen, you know, allegiances have really been pushed into these idols and these religions of our day. And as Christians and as those who are here at least here at Redemption Tempe called the disciple and lead the folks here um, we want to to really like you know show people and point people towards hey rem- remember that your allegiance is with the King of Kings is with Jesus mm-hmm. um, and so we have these ten statements um, that I think are I don't think they're political in any way I, I mean I think they're political in every way mm-hmm. not specific very Christian and hopefully they're a way that anybody despite how you might think politically, if you are a Christian and if your allegiance is to the King of Kings, can sign off on that. Yep. Yeah, yep. they're not partisan, but they do frame our political engagement as followers of Jesus. Yeah. Whatever camp it's, or even for me, it's just a healthy reminder that, like, Jesus is the King. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Mm. And it hits on things like, 
our commitment is to Jesus above all other idols and ideologies. We're doing this to love our neighbor, treating people like they're image bearers, seeking biblical wisdom rather than proof texting our predetermined positions, fruitful speech, humble learning, removing the log from our own eye, biblical view of justice, peacemaking, and loving and praying for even our so-called political enemies. And so uh, you can you can sign on to that. You can sign that document um, on our website um, if you want to commit to those things through the season. So yeah, we're going to model that. There's one other caveat I've got here before we jump in fully. And it's that in this season, in this supercharged season, um, I have noticed that people hear things that are not actually being said. Um, it is... Have, and so somebody will mishear us say yeah. something like th- right now. And so if you think you heard us say something that seems a little crazy, feel free to reach out and ask a question, not make an accusation, but ask a question and we'll have a good dialogue yes. about it. Let's get, I mean, some It'll of the examples good. of this. Um, I mean, you're the yeah. finance guy. Oh, yeah. All sorts of questions. So we, we supported a bunch of different churches specifically towards COVID relief and in uh, different cities that were hit hard, um, but we emphasized giving to some minority leaders. And so, what people naturally, of course, because of the season we're in, I've been getting emails about how big the check was we wrote to Black Lives Matter, the organization. Yeah, and, and yeah. to be clear, we did not write we any did not. check to Black Lives <laughs> Matter, the organization. Um, another one was um, I've I've heard of a couple people who've seen our our statement or like vision statement that all of life is all for Jesus. We've been saying this for the longest time. People will see it up on a banner and think it's like an all lives matter banner. Um, uh, I had one person, um, you know, actually, you know, I won't even get into that one, but it's, it's easy to mishear things in this supercharged time and to assume that what we're saying is something that's caught up into some other, you know, Reddit board that you're reading or yeah. something like that. So anyway. So what ch- I just heard is Jim hates Reddit. Is that what you <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So please be a charitable listener. Yeah. All right. So, so let's jump into the religion of progress. Um, just to give a broad summary, to rehash what Warren and I talked about um, before in the sermon before is that if this thing has, this religion of progress has a creed, it would be to change the world. It's all about building strong institutions, governmental institutions, educational NGOs, that, that human beings, if you can put your rationality and your innovation together, you can change the world and make it a better place. Um, go ahead, sing it. The, the, oh, the, the world. There you go. Make you it don't, a better you don't, place. You don't want me singing. <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's very much rooted in the Enlightenment. Um, very much about institutions. It's all about a rationally ordered world that can be studied, categorized, and mastered. And really, if you think about it, it would be uh, Isaac Newton's uh, you know, scientific method and discerning truth through experimentation and rationality, and that basically everything, even the social aspects of life, can just be studied and mastered and all the problems of the world just boil down to the fact that we haven't figured out yet how to fix it. Um, so, I mean, that's a broad overview, but yeah. be- before we dive into like some of the 
the, the nuances of it. When you think of this one, um, I mean, what's the creationally good thing that this mm. ideo- the ide- ideology is built off of? Mm. So all ideologies um, and idols essentially are rooted in some good aspect of creation that they just take too far and make it an mm. ultimate thing. What would you say? Yeah, I'd say two come to mind. One would be the idea of progress itself. So we see in the biblical story that the story starts in a garden and ends in a city. And there's a sense of progress, of development, uh, what many have called the cultural mandate in Genesis 1, that God places Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 2. And uh, there's this call to cultivate the earth, the sense of unpacking its riches of bringing forth culture, uh, the various spheres that come out of that, uh, whether we're talking about healthcare or the arts or um, science or government industry, there are all these different things that come from uh, paying attention to stewarding the earth that God's given us in terms of unpacking its resources and creating culture out of that. So I think the very notion of progress is one. A second creational good that comes to mind is the sense of corporate identity, like corporate or collective identity, uh, which is kind of the sense that we're stronger together than we are alone. Mm-hmm. I think speaks to the institutions you talk about, uh, which we see, for example, in Genesis 1, where um, God creates the Adam, it says, in his image. And often in the West, uh, or in today in America, we tend to think first and foremost of the image as an individual thing, like I have the image, you have the image, and that's true. Uh, but there's a huge emphasis in the way the Bible unpacks it. That it's also a corporate thing. God creates the Adam, or collective humanity, in his image to together Mm. reflect it into the world. And uh, the early church, there's an interesting book by a guy, Henri de Lubac, uh, called uh, Catholicism. Uh, I'm not Catholic, I'm not advocating that per se, but uh, it's an interesting look at the study of the early church and the early church fathers. And one of the key theses he comes up with is is looking at how um, the dominant understanding of the image of God was first kind of corporate collective, and then the individual, as individuals, we have it uh, as, as a part of that. And yet I think we see with institutions or government or trying to work together that we're stronger together than we are alone can be a way, if it weren't for sin, (laughs) can be a way of together reflecting the image of God and how we make progress, turn the garden into a healthy city. Yeah. So an emphasis on humanity over even the human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas more of common identity before kind of coming prior to in a sense, or at least co-equal with individual identity. Right. It, well, you know, so this is the good, but every idol and ideology, uh, when it is taken as an ultimate thing, ends up sparking some real brokenness, some real evil. So how has that one been affected by the fall, Jason? Like, what are some of the the bad things that could emerge when that's it's, all of life is reduced to progress? Yeah, I think when, well... It, probably depends on how you define progress too so Mm. you know oftentimes progress to us i mean i mean it it can it can look and you know when you're when you're um elevating humanity as a good and it is a good thing that you should elevate sometimes you can forget the human Mm -hmm. and so what's good for 80 percent of people is what we should go for um because that's better than what's good for 20 percent of people so i think oftentimes what you'll see in in mass progress or big institutions oftentimes is that they're doing their best towards a noble cause, but oftentimes forgetting the human, yeah. the, the person who might be yeah. left behind or forgotten. or yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think a big one when you think of abortion and the advocates yeah. of abortion, it would be framed in a lot of this progress language. Oh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. there's, there's economic progress. There's 
there's life progress that can happen from abortion, um, but you're forgetting about the human. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would add to that, too, that uh, in the same way a lot of good can be done, but with sin, uh, the bigger the institution, whether we're talking about government or institutions themselves, the more corruption can wreak more havoc or more damage through it. And so even in Mm -hmm. biblically, I think we see Egypt with Pharaoh at the helm or Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar at the helm. Um, There can be some good stuff, but we see throughout the biblical story, like the gnarly things that the government or the state can do, uh, that institutions can do when there's a corrupted authority through the nature of sin that wreaks havoc on even broader levels than any lone individual could do on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you see this in a lot of the, the Marxist states often like emerge. I'm, I'm differentiating between socialism and Marxism, but can emerge out of this idea of like caring for the proletariat and the, the, the oppressed, um, but then often accumulating power and becoming an oppressor mm-hmm. with that. There's the, um, yeah, I think another feature of that is that there can also be the a deep humanism, an arrogant humanism that says that all problems can be solved apart from God. There's autonomy from God. If we just study uh, the world and categorize it, we can figure it all out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's some good aspects of creation. It's broken from the fall. We need believers to lean into the good of creation, but also we need to press against the fall. And Bob Goudsward, uh, a former Dutch uh, parliament member and uh, philosopher, he says that, and a Christian guy says, all people worship something as God. Then, right out of Psalm 115, they become like their God. And then they create society in their own image and functionally create a new religion around those things. So let's talk about some of the, the features of this religion. Like, let's play with it. If it was like a world religion, who would be some of the prominent people, like the prophets, the priests, um, the authority figures of this religion? What, what comes to mind for you guys? Maybe like a Bill Gates, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, my uh, my namesake. Yeah, that's good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Maher. Yeah. Yeah. The comedian. Him. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think so. I think you're. Bill Gates was who first came to mind. Just kind of somebody that's, um, harnessing, you know, the world and science and technology and and doing what they feel they would do to bet to best, you know, help everyone flourish in some way. And if, if you, you want to have... Th- this is a tricky one to say uh, because there's so many <laughs> negative things going around, conspiracy theories or non-conspiracy theories, but the Clintons would yeah. es- es- espouse this. At least their political philosophy would espouse this. As, For as, sure. As human beings, you know, who knows? There's a lot going on. For around, sure. But For sure. the way they would politic would be fully in this... Quadrant. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good one. Uh, Bono comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. alleviating AIDS in Africa, and you know, if we just pull together, and you know, yeah, um, uh, you know, uh, Thomas Friedman, the world is mm-hmm. flat guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, any others come to mind? That's kind of who I have. You know, I, I kind of even even think when you look at like. It, maybe some movements like even like um, 
Catholic charities or healthcare organizations you know, setting up hospitals and things like that, I feel like would be yeah pretty firmly up there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of the strong institutions, yeah. u- universities, research centers, uh, you know, um, think tanks, um, you know, th- those can be all over the spectrum now. All right, so like we've got some prophets and priests, but every religion has its sacred texts. These texts, these authority where you get shaped, your worldview gets shaped, you go to it for the information that you need for life. Uh, what would those sacred texts be? Would you say if this was a, a NPR? <laughs> it's not. It's not a text, maybe, but it's an audio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, Do people read anymore sacred texts? Well, I, I think even in its broadest sense, you think yeah. of like a cultural text that goes beyond just like yeah, reading. the written word. Yeah. What's the, what's the 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 authoritative word where that people are getting some from so yeah well it was funny i just i'm laughing as i say it because it felt like in portland like that's what everyone was just kind of listening to it was on all the time you hear different people talking about things that were on or whatever and i don't think i've encountered anyone here yet where that's even come up you know really? <laughs> yeah totally maybe, maybe it has interesting yeah it was interesting and yeah portland's kind of a progressive echo chamber or you know left left top or left bottom Every, quadrants. Everybody who's always told me NPR was right down the middle is super pissed at you right now. <laughs> well, the, the New York Times would be another. Yeah, yeah, the New York Times. That's a great one. Uh, TED Talks. Mm, you yeah. know uh, th- that authoritative preaching that comes from a TED. A TED Talk is a is a upper left sermon, is what it is. I mean, most of them. Yeah. Some of them are not. Kind of. Know. Yeah. I think. I think. I think in there you're kind of looking into more like. I, I don't know. TED Talks can be all over the place. They, they, like, they, on the topic, but, they can, yeah. but even it stands for like technology, education, Ener- yeah, education. and design. Like these would be. Yeah. Yeah. Probably just the ones that you like that come out are not the ones <laughs> that are over there. Uh, yeah, so th- that's good. Well, what about rituals? Every religion has its rituals or disciplines. And actually, just taking a step back, I mean, to these texts, these news sources, things like that. Um, if you really think about it, you might laugh a little bit at the idea that, oh, this is a sacred text. But if you think about how much people, authority people are putting in this, and how much, like a spiritual discipline every morning, instead of cracking open your Bible, you turn on the NPR, you read the New York Times, you know, it, it's be, it's become this like, pattern of absorbing an authoritative word that shapes your life that it, I think for most people whatever their news source is or whatever they actually have stronger disciplines of engaging that than the oh, scripture yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. daily mm-hmm. podcasts or yeah. whatever it might be yeah and how yeah. can that not dramatically affect us yeah, yeah. Well, what any other rituals that you see if so if apostle paul shows up on, on our day, and he looks out and he's like, oh, that's definitely a religion there. Hmm. Uh, and he sees a ritual. What, what do you think it would be? Ceremonies, rituals, things like that. Anything come to mind? I, th- I think, I was telling you guys before, it, it's so much easier for me to distinguish uh, modern from postmodern, so top from bottom, mm-hmm. and, and kind of this right from left on the top is somewhat hard for me to distinguish because I feel like they have a lot of similar rituals. So I think things like uh, where's where's the study? Show me the stats. Show me the science. I yeah. feel like that's a very top 
thing. Yep. It's a very, you know, I, I want to see my facts that, you know, but, but it's very much my fact. They're facts, but yep. they're my facts. All right. So, uh, so the passive, okay. the passive listener right now who's doing dishes just heard you say that research is bad. So <laughs> no, save, no. save that email. We're, we're not, we don't think that's the case. Uh, yeah. Rituals. I'm just thinking out loud because I, I don't know that this actually works, but I, I think about the kind of things when I'm in the environment that seem to just kind of go viral or spread or be kind of, you know, and it seems like there's a lot of like eccentric narratives, you know, like almost like the Tiger King <laughs> phenomenon, you know, but like it feels like every year there's a new murder podcast thing that goes out or, uh, where it's almost like a celebr. But I think that's actually probably more bottom left is where things have headed, but it's still kind of mixed in with that, that, that crowd. So that yeah, the, t- the Tiger King is like the ultimate of postmodern. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And yet it's a lot of the folks who would, I, I would identify as up in that upper, like top left where historically some of those kind of things, I'm trying to remember the name of the, some of the stuff in the past that, that would epitomize this, but it just feels like there's the viral spread of these things. And it's amongst folks that I'd, I'd put kind of like, Oh, I think they're up in that upper top left, but well, well, you they know, don't necessarily, they seem to lean, be things that are more indicative of the bottom left. Bottom left or bottom right, even. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's I, something interesting with this one because, you know, one of the, the things that Gaudsward talks about is that every ideology creates its own false devil, its own false evil, where it just picks one part of the world and it says that's what the real problem is. And I think you nailed something here because I think the false evil of of the um, of the religion of progress is ignorance. Like the one problem it's trying to solve in the world is the un- uneducated mm. ignorant who hasn't <laughs> taken on this enlightenment worldview. Mm. And so I think what you're describing there is a self-righteous um, posture of like the people in that quadrant looking down the on n- the n- stupid mm. Tiger King guy and see how mu- much better we are than... Uh, than that or and a lot of those other sorts of like voyeuristic Mm -hmm. things you're describing of like um murder mystery sorts of things or what do you think about that yeah maybe i I mean it seems like in my mind it feels like it's coming from almost like the like the diversity lens of how do we get exposed to as much uh which which can be like kind of the eccentric at times like how can we find things that are the most on the fringe to um, like the tiger dude, tiger dude is like an extreme just in terms of like being his friend. I mean, diversity, not in terms of ethnic diversity so much as just like human diversity, like diversity of, uh, things that seem like, okay, this feels like it's, it's way out there in terms of the content, but that feels more like a, a bottom left, lower yeah. left yeah, thread. And so I'm not sure. But wouldn't you say that a lot of the people who were enjoying the tiger King yeah. were in that upper left quadrant, the progress quadrant. And they yeah. weren't affirming it. Huh. Yeah. They, well, Jim, yeah. everyone was enjoying Tiger King. He, <laughs> Top, bottom, left, right. Everyone, yeah. Or maybe because you could also say, like, <laughs> I'd say Downton Abbey would be another. But that's, like, a totally different. Maybe it's almost a voyeuristic of the what? status and yeah. the prestige. and. Yeah, I don't know. You might be onto something there. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. But, okay, one I would say, a ritual, would be, like, the um, uh, your charity of like every couple months there's kind of like here's the international charity that i support here's and and it's usually couched in terms of and you should do you know like here's this great work they're doing it's put out there but there's kind of an implied i I think it's a sign of status if i 
eat organic, ride my bike to work, and and supporting this charity in another country or something like it's it's almost like a badge of righteousness. You know, like here's yeah. here's how I'm identifying myself as being about I think because progress you're, you're pursuing the progress through an institution through a group of people that have gotten together to say, this is the good we're going to do. And you're kind of backing that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you can differentiate that yeah. uh, from the, the, how, the identity one, which would be very similar, but it would be less of like a support of an institution and more of a protest against some power. It would be in the bottom left yeah. identity. Would, yeah. Yeah. It'd be more rooted in yeah the injustice that whatever that institution has caused, yeah, or the the twenty percent we talked about the fallout or the ten percent or whatever it is, it would it'd be more highlighting the fallout that's happened mm-hmm. there. But yeah. And I had to say those things are not necessarily bad things, or you know, like like so we talk about like I historically have eaten organic, or like to work, you know, um, before I got to one hundred and fifteen degree weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but it's interesting that it often when you get beneath the surface, kind of in the culture of that top left quadrant, there's often there is an air of righteousness about it. Like this is almost a mark or a badge of honor that I find my identity in being about progress on the food front or the environmental front or the, you know, world organization I support front. Like there's a sense of staking your identity of getting your um, social prestige or something in some way. Yeah. Your righteousness. Yeah. 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 Justification. Like I'm yeah. justifying myself as one yeah. of you guys. No, for sure. And you may be going here, Jim, but but to me, what I feel like is some of the stark differences, you know, as you have me and Josh in here and we're we're supposed to kind of be opposing these two top sides is um, both top sides, I think, put put some faith in institutions and in kind of the humanity as a whole and and what we can do together. Um, But what I see is is on the left, or at least what, what my perspective would be the left, that institution that would hold the highest regard would be government. Mm. And on the right, the highest institution mm. that we would regard would be market. Like the, the market or the private mm-hmm. institution. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've almost, e- even what swung me in the early years, I think, um, college, post-college, New Blue, you know, but was, in some ways it seems less the question was for and more what you were more afraid of. It seems like, you know, are you mm. more afraid of the market unhindered or of, the state unhindered. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And early on, does it depend on which movie you watched? I guess. Yeah, which dystopian to- novel you read? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think going back to, I think my mindset, like my twenties, college, you know, and there was this sense of like looking at particularly economic disparity in here. So what is it like eighty? Um, like the top twenty percent of Americans, wealth wise, own eighty six percent of America's wealth. Like you know, seeing that and just kind of going, okay, I don't necessarily want to redistribute wealth, but should there be redistribution at least of opportunity, you know, because you know they didn't get that through just hard work or whatever. And so, um, and it seems like the best means for redistributing opportunities at some level is strong institutions, you know, and so I think... What's an example? I don't I don't know if I understand the redistribution of an opportunity. What, is uh, that? Okay, what does that mean? So, that? Okay. Yeah, good call. So if there is a strong emphasis on things like uh, universal education, universal health care, um, some of the like broad foundational support for those kind of things in society that's going to give some of the um, foundational layer for more people to have access to opportunities um, in societies and so not exactly redistributing but more like making more available or something yeah and funding well, I guess you do yeah. redistribute I guess technically through taxes through okay. taxes okay. Yeah, yeah exactly so yeah yeah and so I think 
if we're talking about the rituals again, I think some of the rituals of those institutions are often some of the more religious, uh, sacred moments. So you think about a college graduation. If the Apostle Paul showed up at a college graduation, he would definitely think that this is a religion with the people in their yeah. robes and they're <laughs> handing this document. You know, um, you know. Are, are there other things like that? I guess voting would probably be another yeah. um, ceremony. Yeah, I mean, what's what's the sacred calendar of that one? You know, uh, <laughs> any others that you guys can think of, like institutionally? I mean, I think those are big voting because government. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and higher education for sure. Those are. Yeah, I, th- I think degrees is kind of like your is you know your priesthood. You know how many degrees and how knowledgeable and how. Yeah. You know, how esteemed are you in your field? Yeah. Those kinds of things are mm-hmm. highly respected. Yeah. So it doesn't mean yeah whether graduation ceremonies. I think what other examples would be, but things that accord kind of that institutional progression and yeah yeah through it. And one quick thought too, I, I think on something that was appealing for me in that, you know, I, I think biblically, so again, I'm kind of newer Christian, 20s, but reading through and seeing a lot of the laws and the, I did kind of the read through the Bible in a year, you know, and got into the hard part with Leviticus and a bunch of the laws, and, you know, and seeing Deuteronomy and, um, but just seeing how many of the laws, it seemed like there was a strong attention and care for uh, particularly the poor or vulnerable populations that God had and that God's concern was not just for individuals to take care, but actually legislatively, like there was legislative, um, governmental, role that was to be played to trying to care for um, those populations, often more through opportunity than just through handouts, that kind of thing. But uh, what do you mean? I'll keep pressing you here. But what do you mean there was there was governmental legislative rules there? Do you mean beyond the tithes and taxes that were being taken? Well, I'll throw one out. Yeah. Uh, The Jubilee year Mm -hmm. uh, where Basically, all, all, the debts. all debts were forgiven. Uh, every generation would have this ju- jubilee year where the debts were forgiven. Not only that, but the land that you lost through commerce was actually restored back to your family so that your children could start out on the same footing as everyone else. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that it's not like per- poverty perpetuated throughout the generations. Your father could like blow it and like lose the land and this and that, but it would go back to the kids and have that equal opportunity. That yeah. would be an example. Yeah. yeah. I know the laws of gleaning is often kind of held up, like too big, um, where if you're a landowner, you got your crops, but you couldn't harvest all your crops, you'd have to leave a significant portion of the the edges of the field and all where the poor could come in. And we see that in the book of Ruth where that's how. Um, and those are actual law. That was a law? Mm-hmm. Or was that a, this yeah. is a good practice? Good. Yeah, it was actually a law. It was, okay. And uh, one of the things I think is interesting about that, though, is it wasn't just, you know, harvest and give it. It was actually create the opportunity for work, you know? So you had wealthy landowners who were required by legislation within the government to actually provide opportunities for employment. for yeah. People still had to come and do the work, do the labor, but God was concerned that they had opportunity to do so and actually... Um, put in a legislative role for the government to actually seek to facilitate that within the society as a whole. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so it's interesting because I think depending on where you lean, it can give you a lens through which you read the Bible and certain verses, certain passages, parts of scripture stand out more than others. Yeah. So like, like you just named that 
Jason, you kind of leaning to the right, what passages do you think, what parts of Scripture stand out more to you, would you say? Other than the Ecclesiastes passage you, you read earlier. <laughs> I mean, read that. That was a powerful one. You didn't want me to read that because that would shut this down just immediately. <laughs> but Ecclesiastes 10.2 for all you interested. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. So <laughs> I repent. I repent. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I think that that right there specifically goes against one of our uh, King of Kings. Yes. <laughs> that, 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 that would be proof uh, texting. Adams. Yes. So yeah. don't go there. Um, uh, you know, honestly, I think I, things that stand out to me is... is uh, Almost all the wisdom literature that is, is about you, you know, personally working hard and, and giving good advice and, and investing your money wisely. And even later on in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how it, a lot of money solves a lot of your problems. And, and you could just look throughout. So, so you scripture. don't agree with Biggie? More money, more problems. You're, you're uh, like... I, no, it, maybe more money, other problems. <laughs> yeah, okay. Not necessarily more problems. <laughs> no, I. You know, so but but I think hopefully what you do is you can't ignore, ignore both of these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely in in my heart, what more reaches out is you know, hey, it is giving advice for in, these individual people to do a good thing and to do what's right by others and by themselves, and by doing so, they elevate humanity. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think from hearing you, you some just an observation you would see a lot of the passages that talk about the importance of character formation and, uh, you know, repentance and the way that you are as a person. And then as you are that way as a person, that begins to change the circumstances around yeah. you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I th- and I think, too, when you're, when you're looking in Israel's history, you know, they're, they're ruled by a common law and they have a common God or they're supposed to. Um, it's... it's kind of different than now right mm-hmm. yeah so uh, th- that to me i think was where sometimes like the the progress in the government being this institution for good can get a little murky when you're realizing it's not necessarily a government you know that holds up upholds the same laws in and the same people and a you know so it yeah, I want to agree with you on uh part of that too you know one of the things that Sometimes the way the upper left quadrant can go about things can squash some of the incentive or motive for individual character formation, responsibility, ownership in the process, things like that. Um, I know for me this really stood out uh, working internationally uh, over the years, worked for some nonprofits internationally and then oversaw our global partnerships at a former church. But I just saw the difference at times in communities when there was a big kind of outside in governmental institution dump of money or something and just had almost like no impact and tons of bureaucracy and wasted loads of resource, all that versus often small entrepreneurial grassroots ownership initiatives from the ground up that then money could come in and pour fuel on the fire of that and just like phenomenal change with way, way, way more impact with often with way less money, but because there was local drive and ownership and responsibility and some of that leadership and character formation from the ground up um, rather than kind of a large institutional top-down blueprint, you know, yeah. driven yeah. thing from the outside in. So when, when you say that, you hit on something really important, which is that each ideology can kind of create its own pseudo-savior, its own counterfeit savior. So within this religion of progress, 
What would be the counterfeit savior that people are looking to instead of Jesus? I, I mean, I would say, to me, it seems government. Government. The savior would be if we can get all our laws right and we can get everything equal and we can make sure everybody gets the same, um, that's going to be the best. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd say another one is potentially a reason. You know, the idea that uh, almost sometimes the implicit assumption is uh, people are good. They're just ignorant. You know, if we just get everyone to talk about it enough, get them the right education, get everyone on the same page, then... Um, <clears throat> reason can solve our problems and education, education is kind of a, yeah, you know the, yeah education would be a big one I mean you look at any problem in society and there's you'll often hear someone from this quadrant proposing some sort of just like educational program or change to do it poverty get better schools uh, what, would be, what would be another uh, problem that gets attempted to I think healthcare you know like yeah. healthcare for everyone same you know, yeah. So I guess maybe the bigger category for this, it would be kind of like institutions, often institutions that are connected to the government. Um, yeah. So research, education, uh, health care, you know, good foreign policy that we can throw that right. Yeah. That right policy in and it's going to make a, a difference. And and oftentimes it does make a difference, um, but it's not a sufficient savior. Mm. What if. What does the person in that quadrant need to hear about Jesus? Uh, what What is the good news that the gospel presents to the person in that quadrant? What would you say? Got a lot of pondering eyes right here. <laughs> yeah, my mind's going about five different directions at once. Uh, but I do think that, um, well, a couple things. You know, Jesus is turning the garden into a city. Like he's, he's establishing mm. the, the city of God on earth as in heaven. And it's going to be um, all those things that we're kind of longing for. And ho- the good things we talk about, the progress and the corporate or collective identity kind of thing mm-hmm. are ultimately found in Jesus. And I think um, as much as the institutions, the government, or the things that can kind of be held up can disappoint, that I think there's an invitation that Jesus brings to actually on a smaller scale, embody, kind of be that change you want to see in, in the church. So the church actually has an identity to um, embody, be kind of a microcosm of the kingdom with that um, kind of corporate collective identity that's working on a grassroots level in our local community to actually be about mm. those kind of changes. And we can't fix the whole big thing, you know, but as best as we can, empowered by the Spirit of God. We can be kind of a microcosm of that city that's coming that yeah. holds together everything yeah. that that's the yeah. creational good that that's hoping for. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, the good news is that the the institution or the the progress you're looking for is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, the the perfect city, the perfect uh, government, the perfect everything is coming, and it's mm-hmm. and it's on its way, um, but it's not here yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we could work towards that. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I think that's. Um, so, so I think in some ways it, it it hopefully can be a news that's um, stress and anxiety relieving because maybe to to say you're not going to solve everything, um, but you can be a part of the progress that God has. Yeah, and one and and also to recognize one of the major 
institutions that God has put here on earth as the church, and you yeah. can do a lot of good through an institution, yeah. through people that are serving humanity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, there's that burden that you're talking about of having to try to solve every problem. Not only that, I think that there's this burden that is often created in this quadrant of I have to find my sense of self, my identity in the letters behind my name, how high up I go in the institution that I'm a part of, how much I know about every issue in the world. And there's this striving uh, for an identity, for a recognition that um, that really only Christ brings. Um, that that the the letters that you're longing for at the end of your name, when you get them, they will not bring you what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but Christ, the good news is that He is the one who is bringing that progress, and also does bring you uh, that identity in union with Him. Because it's so much of what is trying to happen here is rather than union with Christ, it's union with an institution, union with a movement that you're trying to draw your life from. Hmm, yeah. yeah. And I'd also say it taps into something deeper the gospel does than what the upper left quadrant. It, it's diagnosis of the problem. You know, going like the problem biblically, it's much more than just ignorance. It's the corrupted affections of the human heart. Like mm-hmm. love is wrong. and. Um, and so I, I think time and time again, it's those corrupted affections that in leadership institution, institutional leadership and positions of power, like corrupts and causes things to go wrong. And on personal levels, you know, in, within people causes some of these blueprint things that the institutions want to impose on communities to just not actually work. But that's where I think the gospel offers a better hope as well, because it brings not only the quote unquote institutional kind of societal change we might call the governmental change and now the authority of King Jesus. Um, but it brings about that alongside a, a transformation of the human heart to actually mm. love the good, yeah. the true and the beautiful, what God loves. Here's a that first. random blessing I feel like I see in our system, even though we feel so gridlocked and we feel so polarized against each other, is I think that 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 actually helps combat some of these evils that lurk in each of these things. And you you talking about power, power of government or power of corporations. So when you have good people on both sides or even bad people on both sides who are kind of warring against each other, nobody's really like swinging too hard one direction or another. So we're kind of saved Mm. a little bit from the tension because of the tension. Mm. Yeah. Um, Gaudsward in his book. I think it would be a curse if everyone all of a sudden started believing just like you, I mean, yeah. the, the yeah. boat would tip one direction super hard and yeah. you'd be, yeah, you'd be out of luck. Well, that, that's one of the <laughs> things that he talks about, Gaudsward in his book, uh, Hope in Troubled Times, is that there's a progression to ideologies and uh, they'll ultimately fail a society. Yeah. Um, hmm. But so often before they can reach their ultimate point of full destruction of things, uh, a counter movement forms and and is a restraining movement by the Mm. grace of god however that movement often becomes its own ideology and sparks something different um with this you know if 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 you're listening and you're finding yourself in that quadrant fully and you kind of are recognizing that you've given your allegiance to that over jesus the the call is to repentance. The call is to turn from that and turn toward Christ. Um, 
that to not find your life in, in that, but to find your life in Christ. But however, we do need believers in who lean in each of these quadrants mm-hmm. at the table with the other believers, uh, helping each other faithfully follow Christ. My question is, what would be some examples of believers, maybe in public life, um, that are recognizable, authors or whatever, that you think, or institutions that, that, that lean in that direction, but are, are a pretty good example of what it means to like follow Jesus? Anything come to mind? I love uh, Andy Crouch. Uh, for those who are familiar with him, he's got uh, a bunch of great books, but two in particular come to mind. Culture Making was kind of foundational and just the idea of um, our call to kind of create culture. And another was uh, Playing God on kind of power. Someone's on culture, one's on power. But I think his uh, kind of astute theological and practical vision for how as believers we can press into these things with a real eye towards institutions you know i think mm-hmm. and an appreciation for i i'd say i think we often uh we live in an age that uh in many quarters is very just inherently suspicious of authority institution power kind of seen as inherently bad things and crouch's thinking will push you i think to see uh, a lot of the good and potential like why we need institutions and particularly in with an attentive awareness to things like power and culture and how those play out on that. Um, the Q Conference, uh, Crouch has been involved with over the years, and they're very attuned to kind of culture and institutions and spheres of influence and leaders in these various spheres and how their faith connects and intersects with their work. Um, those come to mind. Any others, Jason? Um, <coughs> would, would you yeah, say that I'm like the perfect example of left. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Jim Mullins. <laughs> No. Um, I, this, it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I just off the top of my head, what I was thinking is somebody like, or maybe himself, but somebody like Dr. Fauci, who is kind of looking for a a, a cure for humanity and, and trying to help, mm-hmm. you know, the lar- a large group of humanity yeah. towards progress, towards fighting yeah. COVID. You know, it, it, that would kind of be the... Yeah. The, the, I, maybe. Some, uh, just somebody... Uh, that's just off the top of my head, some, somewhere to that. I, I don't know him, what, what his Yeah, exactly. That's why I said I don't yeah. know for sure because yeah. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but, but, oh, because you're asking Christian. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, things yeah, like world, world vision, world mm-hmm. relief. You didn't just hear me say Fauci was a Christian because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but you're getting the email. <laughs> you're getting it. Um, the IJM, uh, International Justice Mission, you know. I, or... I mean, World Vision, you know, I think a lot of, like, uh, international ministries that are, I think, doing good and trying to build institutions, um, things like that. Especially since this quadrant tends to have a little bit more of a globalist bent um, out there impacting the world. Yeah. So uh, that's good. Why do we need believers who kind of lean this direction in the church? Like, what are... In what ways are they a gift to the church? That's, and Josh, in what way are you a gift to the church? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say one, uh, because institutions are good, uh, not in the sense that they're inherently good and can't be corrupted, but in the sense that, like we, we, I think a healthy society needs them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that there is expertise. There's there's a whole host of benefits that 
come with that and um, and we need uh, Jesus is king of creation we I don't know I think we need people who love Jesus who recognize the strength of those kind of spheres and are both valuing them either personally and, and pressing into leadership in those areas yeah as, as people who love Jesus and yeah are seeking to do that as well yeah do <clears throat> you have any yeah I, good yeah, I to would say, say um, <laughs> oh of course um, I, I would say that um, I think a, a big positive that that Berleff would add is is this idea that groups matter um, people groups and that people groups are impacted differently by different things whereas I, I feel like in the top right in my bent you know with, with it being all about individual and individual responsibility I think it sometimes overlooks circumstances that different people have that cause their life experience or whatever to be different I know that we're getting into a little bit more postmodern there and I think that's where that mm-hmm. also helps kind of the modern but I think that the upper left through its institutions is trying to level a playing field and whether I think it's a good way that they go about that. I just yeah. think that that bringing that idea or that thought to the mind of the person on the right or the upper right is is helpful in recognizing the humanity yeah. as a whole rather than just everybody's on the same individual playing card. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. We, we also need people who are thinking deeply, reading deeply, contributing to medicine, technology, education, uh, these sorts of things. Now, what, I kind of want to wrap up with this. If someone finds themselves in that quadrant, there are certain aspects of their, their faith, their walk with Jesus, whether it's doctrine or um, certain practices that might be suppressed and therefore, people might need to press into that more to have a more mature, well-rounded faith. What would some of those things be? Like, what would you mm. want them to press into? Mm. Yeah, well, bridging the last question with this one, too, you know, I'm, uh, first off on the good, I'm thinking of actually when our daughter was in the hospital about five years ago, had a crazy, uh, essentially like a psychotic break, uh, and the intricacy of it was a neurological thing and there's all the details I need to get into, but I found myself so grateful for not only the doctors and the nurses, but like the, the institutional weight behind the research that had been done to address and diagnose and help deal with her condition. The, um, the institutional support, like of the hospital and the stuff they had in place and all, and just realizing how many factors that so many, individuals were involved in, but as a part of something much bigger. And so I think just as believers who are in those different spheres, just valuing that one of the things I love here at Redemption, we don't have a sacred secular divide. We say all of life is all for Jesus, that your work in those spheres matters, your contribution to those spheres matters. Um, I'd say if there's a, a push or concern, what are one of the areas that can get neglected in that upper left or yeah, the upper left quadrant? Uh, sometimes if I find there's a huge emphasis on like justice, you know, mm-hmm. like how do we create just society and all? But uh, more of a, a, a neglect of um, and not paying as much to themes of like holiness, you know, mm-hmm. of actual personal character growth and formation. Yeah. Same thing, like how many times working internationally come across people who are like strongly working against sex trafficking, you know? Yeah. But are womanizers addicted to porn on the side, you know, like, or are strongly against genocide and working in international conflict and stuff, but have. Uh, just the worst tempers in their own personal life, you know? And so time and time again, I think that there can be 
a big emphasis on the more um, big picture stuff and a neglect of some of the personal heart character formation, yeah. uh, acknowledging and dealing with uh, the reality of human depravity on a doctrinal level, you know, or just my own corrupt human heart on yeah. a personal level and uh, recognition of our own need for that personally as a believer, as well as that playing into the need you see in those in the world around you that like, yeah. they don't just need better, they don't just need more money, better education or better health. <laughs> like, yeah. like they need a transformed heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're trying to change the world, but overlooking the heart change that really needs to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, something else that comes to mind is I think in this quadrant, as someone who tends to lean that way sometimes, especially when I'm with Jason, is that there can be like, there can be a a belief in one's own ability that undercuts the sovereignty of God and the need to just press into prayer. You can look at problems and say, if I can just put together the right program, the right institution, or whatever, then then we'll fix it versus just desperately needing Jesus and crying out to Him. I mean, I think of, there was this one time when, with my wife, Jenny, there was like a, uh, there was a massage parlor that we had found out in our neighborhood was kind of a front for <clears throat> definitely prostitution and possibly sex trafficking. And my first flinch was to figure out all these institutional ways or like things that we could kind of take this out through the system. So I was calling police. I was doing all this, which I think I should have done, right? Entirely prayerless in this whole thing. Two weeks after we had kind of identified it. By the way, we were getting nowhere with all these institutions. Two weeks afterwards, it's just shut down. It just stopped. Yeah. And Jenny had been fasting and praying. And I'm convinced that she prayed that thing shut. Yeah. Whereas all of the like research I was doing just didn't do anything. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So pressing into to prayerfulness as well. You know, I, I also think, you know, certain people need to stop reading so many of the Puritans. Um, but this group might actually need to ratchet it up a little bit. <laughs> that talks about the bigness of God and the sinfulness of humanity. Mm. Um, it, it could it could really uh, help to have a humbling effect. Mm. Anything else you guys would say about that? Yeah, I would just say um, orienting yourself around a, a biblical progress, which I think is like sanctification, mm-hmm. rather than um, a perceived humanitarian progress. Because I think, like, I mean, like you mentioned, you you get abortion because you get a more controlled society when when that's allowed to go on. Um, but you lose the humanity hmm. in it be- due to the progress, you know. Yeah, you lose the some of the individuals within humanity trying to go after the big humanity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that makes a ton of sense. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and land it here? Um, more could be said for sure, and more will be said um, about the other uh, religions. You know, the funny thing is after that, after Warren and I uh, had our uh, our first sermon on this, I had people from most of those quadrants say, 
why didn't you go after the really bad one, which was yeah. this yeah. one? Or I, I feel like I said only mostly nice stuff, so I'm feeling like people are going to be kind of bored. I should have no, no. come out harder. So, so, but here's, here's the thing. What we'll do is we're going to go through all of these, and we're making very clear that each one of these in its ultimate needs to be repented of. Yeah. But we also need the body of Christ to be a, a group of believers around the table centered on Christ with people leaning in those directions. Mm-hmm. So next time we'll talk about the religion of responsibility and after that identity and after that security. And if you have not signed the King of Kings commitment, go ahead on our website and do that. And uh, if you want to join one of the political discipleship groups, there's a little bit of time for that as well. And with that said, thanks everyone Let's for listening. It. Have a good day. Thanks. thanks.